You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. You saw what happened to Putin. He is a war criminal. This guy is brutal. Brutal and yes, a war criminal. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Fighting like hell for nearly 20 years now to protect what is left of your democracy. So, hey, why should we stop now? Welcome to the Bradcast. Glad you could all join us. Uh, We've got a couple of guests standing by, I think, I hope, to join us in a bit. As the uh, midterm election year gets underway across the country with continuing concerns, yes, about electronic voting systems, including, yes, right here in Los Angeles County, the nation's most populous voting jurisdiction, where in 2020 we implemented a brand new $300 million unverifiable touchscreen voting system to, uh, at times, disastrous results in 2020. Can we expect any better luck in the critical midterm elections with our brand spanking new voting uh, systems? Well, my guests joining me in a bit today, which sadly do not include L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan, who declined to join us today. Uh, my guests uh, have some very serious concerns about uh, Mr. Logan's voting systems two years after they were first implemented here. But uh, before we get there, uh, many of us woke up Sunday morning to reports of atrocities, atrocities in Ukraine. Atrocities here at home. 
In Ukraine, Russian troops have reportedly been pulling out of areas near the Ukrainian capital of Kiev, supposedly to concentrate their fight on the eastern regions of the country, such as the long-contested war-torn Donbass region. Many experts, including in the U.S., warn that Vladimir Putin may only be regrouping and resupplying for another offensive in coming days. But as Russian troops have been giving up defensive positions, pulling out of towns and villages that they had previously held. The Ukraine government has been, uh, has begun liberating many of those smaller towns and villages to the north, west, and east of Kiev. And as they do, horrific, horrific evidence of war crime atrocities by the fleeing Russian forces are being revealed in often hideous, graphic, and shocking detail. On Sunday, The Wall Street Journal reported nearly 300 civilians have been buried in mass graves by local authorities in Bucha, Ukraine, a small suburb of Kiev, following the withdrawal of Russian troops who withdrew last week, one of several regions where Ukrainian officials and independent rights watchdogs say they are uncovering evidence of war crimes perpetrated by the previously occupying forces. Footage taken by the Ukrainian military... Shortly after Russian forces abandoned Bucha, showed streets littered with bodies of civilians, some of them with their hands tied. Human Rights Watch on Sunday released a report documenting cases of rape and summary executions in Russian-occupied parts of Ukraine, including Bucha, as well as other crimes. The reports drew widespread condemnation. From Western governments on Sunday, suggesting that they could alter the international response to the war. Ukraine's defense ministry compared the emerging evidence of mass killing in Bucha and other areas near Kiev that the Russian uh, military occupied for more than five weeks. Compared that to the 1995 Srebrenica massacre, in which more than 8,000 Bosnian Muslims were slaughtered by Serb troops. The Russian defense ministry calls the reports about Bucha, quote, fake. That in a telegram, uh, in a post to their telegram channel, they accused Ukraine of using, quote, staged footage as a pretext to request weapons from Western countries. But under international law, belligerents can be prosecuted for intentionally killing civilians and prisoners of war, destroying private property or engaging in torture, sexual violence, looting or other banned acts. Evidence of fighting uh, after the Russians left, the evidence of the fight spilled onto Bucha's every street and block, according to the journal. Bullets had sprayed a red passenger car that had carried the white flag of truce on its antenna. Cars were flattened like soda cans, run over by tanks. The Garden Center Mall was a charred hulk. The dancing school was blackened. On Bucha's west side, civilian waved down a group of Ukrainian uh, troops who followed him to a metal garage that was burned and smoldering. Inside it were piles of ash. Inside those piles of ash lay half of a woman's body, its torso burnt. A Ukrainian commander in Bucha said some 20 bodies of local civilians had been left near a glass factory in town. In one recently retaken village near Kiev, authorities found the body of a Ukrainian photojournalist who had gone missing while working, uh, working there nearly three weeks ago. That's Maxim Levin. 
He died after being shot twice by Russian forces, according to a statement from Ukraine's prosecutor general. Another photographer who was with him still remains unaccounted for at this time. In another village near Kiev, Motsin, Ukrainian authorities said they found the bodies of the village head, her husband and her son, who were all detained by Russian troops on March 23. That incident is one of 2,500 cases that Ukraine's prosecutor general is building against Russian authorities for possible war crimes. Human Rights Watch said in their report released on Sunday they had documented several other instances of war crimes by the Russian military in occupied areas of Chernihiv, Kharkiv, Kiev. Uh, these included evidence of repeated rape and the summary execution of at least six men as well as looting of civilian property. Hugh Williamson, the group's Europe and Central Asia director, said, quote, the cases we documented amount to unspeakable deliberate cruelty and violence against Ukrainian civilians. Ukrainian officials say it would take at least 10 days of demining work in order to restore access to the areas from which Russia has withdrawn in the Kiev and Chernihiv areas. On Monday, Moscow faced global revulsion and accusation of war crimes. The grisly images led to calls for tougher sanctions against the Kremlin, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said dead people have been found in barrels, in basements, strangled, tortured. He again called on Russia to move quickly to negotiate an end to the war. Russian Foreign Ministry, uh, uh, Minister Sergei Lavrov dismissed the scenes outside Kiev as a, quote, stage-managed anti-Russian provocation. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said the images contained, quote, signs of video forgery and various fakes. Russia has similarly rejected previous allegations of atrocities as fabrications on Ukraine's part, though AP reporters and photojournalists have debunked a number of those Russian claims firsthand. Ukrainian officials said the bodies of 410 civilians were found in towns around Kiev that were recaptured from Russian troops in recent days. 410 civilians. In Bucha, AP journalists saw 21 bodies, including a group of nine in civilian clothes who appeared to have been shot at close range. At least two had their hands tied behind their backs. A bag of groceries was spilled by one of the dead. The full extent of the bloodshed in the Kiev area has yet to emerge. By all accounts, the horrors in the shattered southern port city of Mariupol are likely to be far worse, where, according to its mayor, some 100,000 remain trapped and cut off to food and water and electricity and medical supplies for many weeks now. In response to all of these gruesome reports on Monday, President Joe Biden said he is seeking additional sanctions on Russia and again called Vladimir President, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin a war criminal following reports of the mass killing of civilians by Russian forces. You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Well, the truth of the matter is so it happened in Bukhara. This warrants him. He is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. 
and we have to gather all the detail so this can be an actual have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. And what's happening in Abuka is outrageous. And everyone's seen it. This is a war of murders, a lot of blood, a lot of civilians are dying, said one refugee from Dnipro in eastern Ukraine who had uh, fled to Poland. She said, I don't understand why this is possible in the 21st century and why no one can stop it. Neither do I. Meanwhile, similar questions are being asked in the U.S. about our own seemingly endless stream of murders. While we are not officially at war here in the U.S., the body count continues to mount nonetheless amid our own atrocities across the nation as we all woke to yet another incident, another reminder, another gun-related atrocity in another major American city on Sunday morning. A 26-year-old suspect was arrested on Monday afternoon in Sunday's mass shooting in downtown Sacramento, California. That left six people dead and a dozen others wounded, according to police. Investigators actually believe multiple shooters opened fire just steps from the Capitol. At least that's what they believed on Sunday. The dead include three men and three women according to Sacramento Police Chief Kathy Lester. Lester said gunfire had been heard by officers near the scene at around 2 a.m. At least uh, one city security video camera captured some of the violence, according to the chief, and investigators noted that some area buildings were struck by gunfire. Lester said the scale of violence that just happened in our city is unprecedented in my 27 years at the Sacramento Police Department. The Sacramento Bee shared comments from witnesses on the scene shortly after the shooting on Sunday night. All we heard was just gunshots, at least automatic gun. Um, after that, we heard gunshots fired back. As soon as we, we heard the first gunshots, we just... All we did was just hide. That's the first thing that that came into our mind. We heard like several rapid, like a, a, a fully automatic weapon being fired, um, and then there was a response by another weapon that seemed like a semi-automatic, lower caliber. Um, it kind of sounded like a Uzi, you know, or even AK-47. It sounded like it was powerful, and then they, they fired again, fired again, fired again, fired again. And we heard, we heard at least 50 rounds fired, so they're firing right into the crowd. I mean, I've seen a lady go down. When we were running, this lady went down. I guess she got hit in the leg, like right across from us. So the bullets were flying everywhere. They were, they were flying. Um, pretty scary. When I first got on the scene, I just saw victims. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, victims with blood all over their, 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 their clothing, and, uh, you know, taking out glass on their bodies. Individuals screaming about victims and family members that they saw uh, take their last breath. Uh, it was hectic. It was crazy. It was uh, very emotional. It was um, supercharged. It was um, tragic in all kind of ways. Senseless violence happening in our community, um, downtown, in an area that most folks would never think would happen. But you now have six dead, 15 injured. What was this scene like compared to the things that you've seen before? A lot more um, victims. Um, it was a atmosphere that is usually centered in having a good time. Um, this is not a place where you would think something like that would happen. Um, and just the amount of people and their, their stories and, and how terrified they were of, of what, what happened. It was just 
all of a sudden folks were having a good time and all of a sudden folks were saying like there was some issues happening on another side of folks were having an, an altercation and then there was um, gunshots and it wasn't the normal pop 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 it was the you know so it was some high-powered artillery out here High-powered indeed. As you heard that one eyewitness say, at least 50 rounds fired right into the crowd. Again, that was not in Ukraine. That was Sacramento, California on Saturday night, early Sunday morning. I misspoke uh, before the clip and said Sunday night. It was actually Saturday night uh, after midnight into Sunday morning. Mayor Daryl Steinberg called the shooting, quote, a senseless and unacceptable tragedy. He said, can we not have a sane debate where on one side of the line you say that people who want to use firearms for sport or for hunting or, you know, with reasonable self-defense on one side of the line. And on the other side of the line, we say there is absolutely no place for rapid fire assault weapons anywhere. Can we not have that sane debate? Apparently not. He said, can we have that? Can we make that distinction? No. No, Mr. Mayor, I'm sorry. Apparently we can't. If the last decade or three are any indication, the answer to that question is no, absolutely not. The Republican Party will allow nothing, zero, that may help to stop the unceasing, unending bloodshed from gun violence across our own nation. President Joe Biden called on Congress for further action to address gun violence in the wake of the incident, noting in a statement on Sunday, quote, today, America once again mourns for another community devastated by gun violence. But we must do more than mourn, he said. We must act. Well, some Republicans are acting. Shortly after we got off the air on Friday, the Georgia State Senate gave final approval to legislation that would allow eligible residents to carry a concealed gun in public without a license. The measure was quickly approved by the GOP-controlled state Senate after being passed by the GOP-controlled state House last Wednesday. And it now heads to Governor Brian Kemp, who has praised the bill and is likely to sign it into law in the Peach State. The move would make Georgia the 23rd state to not have a policy that requires a permit to carry concealed guns in public. According to data compiled by Every Town for Gun Safety, a nonprofit that focuses on gun violence prevention. But, you know, if you want to drive a car, you better you better pass a test. You better have a license. You better have insurance. But guns, no prob. The legislative push comes as law enforcement officials and advocacy groups nationwide continue to raise the alarm about the policy's safety risks. But while Republicans pretend to support law enforcement officials and criticize Democrats for failing to do so, the fact is the GOP has for years ignored concerns by law enforcement, by police and, yes, by the public. When it comes to our never-ending gun violence epidemic in this country, as they adopt yet another GOP measure to make deadly weapons of this type of mass destruction easier to own and to conceal and to carry. It is, of course, maddening and frustrating to report on all of this because, frankly, we often feel, I often feel, so helpless to be able to do anything, anything more about it other than to bear witness, to inform the public. 
to hope that the electorate can and will take appropriate actions at the ballot box when given the chance to try and right these atrocious wrongs, to hold those accountable to actual account, to right the course that we are on, to protect the democracy that remains, as you can see, under attack by authoritarians abroad and, yes, here at home. To that end, uh, what little we can do is to inform and educate the electorate as best as I can. I can't speak for all of the other shows on all of the other networks. I can't even speak for all of the other shows on the networks that I am on. But I can do my best to inform and to educate, as we have for nearly 20 years now at bradblog.com and here on the Bradcast. We can fight to ensure the integrity of the systems that we use to protect democracy and the integrity of our own elections, because that's all we have. In recent days on this program, we've been reporting on and discussing democracy and the act of voting itself under attack in several key swing states around the U.S., including, yes, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Arizona, states where GOP-dominated state legislatures are using their control to make voting more difficult by making it harder for certain people to participate in their representative democracy at all. But it's hardly GOP-dominated states where we all must remain vigilant in the fight to protect our democracy, lest we become like, oh, I don't know, Russia, where, sure, their president, clearly now guilty of atrocities and war crimes, was in fact popularly elected under their system of democracy, which excludes opposition candidates and intimidates voters to uh, vote in a certain way. Protecting our own democracy must be done in all 50 states and thousands of local jurisdictions, as each is decentrally run by local officials, while Republicans on the national level have blocked largely all reforms to federal oversight and for minimum standards for our elections and our voting systems. And what standards are there? They are in the process of dismantling at our stolen and packed Republican Supreme Court. But even here, in so-called deep blue California, yeah, we must remain vigilant. We owe that much to those fighting and dying overseas to protect or save democracy from the rising tide of tyranny. And that includes, yes, right here in one of the bluest counties in one of the bluest states, Los Angeles County, the nation's most populous and the one in which I sit today as we broadcast out to the nation and the world. And yes, here at home, as those of you who have have listened to this program for any amount of time likely know, we continue to have very real problems, very real concerns about our voting systems. No, not the phony and twisted claims of massive voter fraud and computerized hacking of our elections by China and Cuba and Venezuela and Italy and whatever other idiotic nonsense the MAGA mob continues to pretend had some evidence-free Apparently, effect on the 2020 election since Donald Trump was too much of a loser to man up and admit that he lost that year. 
but real concerns about real vulnerabilities in our voting systems and laws and the ways in which they can be used to disenfranchise voters, to overturn election results, and yes, threaten our own democracy at a time when we must shore up confidence in that system. By the only thing that I've been able to figure out in my 20 years on this particular beat, that is fighting like hell for public oversight of public elections. To that end, I'm joined next, hopefully, by two guests who are trying to inform the California Secretary of State that there are some very, very real problems and concerns with the unverifiable $300 million computerized voting systems that have been deployed for the first time here in L.A. County back in 2020 and are set to be used again in our upcoming critical midterm elections, even though problems discovered in those systems before 2020, some of them broken on this very show, apparently still have not been corrected by the L.A. County elections chief who forced those systems onto voters at the polling place in the first place back in 2020. Once again, the nation's most popular voting jurisdiction here in L.A., where more than four million voters vote and should be setting an example for the rest of the nation. Elections and voting systems expert Susan Greenhall and election integrity advocate turned Long Beach City Council candidate Ian Patton. Join me next on the broadcast to explain. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. In the uh, in the days and months and indeed years leading up to the L.A. County's first Los Angeles County's first use of its 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen computer voting systems at its new voting centers back in 2020, we highlighted a number of flaws in those systems designed by L.A. County and manufactured by a private company named Smartmatic. The screen design interface was very poor, leading some voters to not see all candidates in some races. The computerized paper printouts representing voters' ballots would frequently jam in the printers, and voters were unable to verify that the QR code, a specialized type of barcode, printed out on the paper ballot containing the voters' votes, actually represented the same thing that voters saw printed in human-readable language on those same ballots, among other problems. It is, after all, the unreadable QR codes that get tallied by these systems, as opposed to the human-readable text that voters may or may not be able to verify as accurate before casting the paper ballot through another computer, an optical scanner, where it is then tallied. 
Studies show that few voters actually look at those uh, computer printed human readable uh, uh, representations of their vote for more than just a few seconds at best. But they can never, never read the QR codes to know if they actually match up with the way voters think they actually voted. That's just that's not just a problem here in L.A. County. That's a problem all over the nation where these touchscreen systems are used to print out ballots. The three hundred million dollar system here in L.A. was developed with taxpayer dollars over a 10 year period. Uh, it's it's a project dubbed Voting Solutions for All People or VSAP, dubbed that by our registrar recorder county clerk, Dean Logan. This was his brainchild. The first countywide deployment of the VSAP system during the 2020 presidential primary elections was nothing short of an unmitigated disaster, as you may or may not recall. It came just before the pandemic. Voters lined up that day to vote, sometimes for hours at the county's new voting centers, which replaced the old local community precinct system with the promise that voters could vote at any voting center they wanted across the county. But when the ballots, uh, ballot printers jammed up and the new electronic poll book systems that voters signed on to in this new system at these new voting centers, when those had trouble updating over the Internet, Well, lines stretched around the block, and in some cases, voters were still waiting in line to vote after midnight on Election Day during the primaries in 2020. That primary election was held on March 3, 2020, and Logan's VSAP system, after 10 years of development, had just received conditional certification to be used by the California Secretary of State's office just weeks earlier. A certification that was based on the premise, a conditional certification based on the premise that problems discovered during the state's certification testing process in which the system was found to be in violation of a number of California's state voting system standards, that those problems would soon be corrected in advance of its expected even larger use during that year's November general presidential election. But just days after the state's March 3rd primary in 2020, California would be locked down due to the coronavirus pandemic. Many of the problems with the VSAP system, which the Secretary of State insisted must be fixed by the county, and which Dean Logan, the registrar, promised would be taken care of prior to the fall election that year, actually never did get fixed, according to my guests today, one of whom is a longtime voting system expert who recently testified at a public hearing regarding questions about a new state certification for L.A. County's recently updated VSAP system. She charged in her public testimony and in a letter to California's Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, that there remain, quote, significant security flaws in L.A. County's VSAP voting systems, which violate California voting system standards. In 2020, during the pandemic lockdowns, California's governor declared that all registered voters in the state would be sent a vote-by-mail ballot that year to help prevent the spread of COVID at the polling place. That decision greatly eased congestion at those polling places, especially here in L.A. County, where the new VSAP system had proven to be an unmitigated disaster during the primaries uh, earlier in the year. 
The California state legislature has since made the mandate for statewide vote-by-mail permanent, but many voters still prefer voting in person at the polling place for various reasons. In fact, some... For example, disabled voters requiring an assistive device to help them vote independently. They need to vote in person at the polling place on systems like the VSAP. But two years on from the 2020 election debacle in L.A. County, according to Susan Greenhall of Free Speech for People and Ian Patton of the Long Beach Reform Coalition, who is now running for office in the L.A. County beach town, many of the problems that were cited by the Secretary of State's conditional certification of the original system back in 2020 still exist, even in the newer systems, the upgraded systems that L.A. County is now certifying at the state level in advance of this year's midterm primary elections scheduled just two months from now, on June 7. Writing in a letter to the Secretary of State signed by Free Speech for People, Money Out, Voters In, and the Long Beach Reform Coalition, Greenhall and Patton write to Secretary Weber, quote, Los Angeles County's Voting Solutions for All People, version 2, was conditionally certified by the California Secretary of State on January 24, 2020, scarcely more than a month before the, res- before the system would be used in the 2020 Super Tuesday presidential primary elections, to troubling and embarrassing results, they note. When it was first submitted for certification, VSAP failed to conform to many of California's voting system standards, compelling the Secretary of State to impose more than 30 additional conditions of certification to compensate for weaknesses in the VSAP system. In October of 2020, VSAP version 2.1 was conditionally certified again by the Secretary. Improvements in VSAP 2.1 addressed some of the issues of nonconformance with the California voting system standards, but significant violations pertaining to security persisted, they say. More than a year and a half later, they note, Los Angeles has submitted VSAP 3.0 for certification, but evidence indicates that Los Angeles County has still failed to meet or implement many of the certification conditions. Greenhall and the others go on to detail at least half a dozen, quote, potential nonconformance issues that they describe as critical to the security of the system that will be used in both the upcoming June midterm primaries and the critical November midterm general election. Joining us now to discuss some of those concerns is Susan Greenhall, a longtime election integrity and transparency expert and advocate. She now serves as a senior advisor on election security at freespeechforpeople.org. And Ian Patton, co-founder and executive director of the Long Beach Reform Coalition, who ran into a huge problem with the VSAP systems, attempting to recount an election in Long Beach that was run by the county. Ian is now himself running for Long Beach City Council's 5th District. Unfortunately, as I'll explain, L.A. County's Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan has opted not to join us on today's program. Susan Greenhall and Ian Patton, welcome both of you back to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Hey there, Brad. Good to have you both here. Uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, Susan, let me start with you. You recently reported uh, that after giving testimony at the public hearing regarding certification of the new version 3.0 of VSAP, the registrar's office described your testimony in response, in your words, as, quote, miss 
or disinformation? Well, Susan, I contacted uh, the L.A. County Registrar, Dean Logan, to ask him to join us today or in lieu of that share any comment that he might have about the concerns you shared with the Secretary of State. Uh, In years past, they should note, during the development of the new system, Dean was generally willing to come on the show and discuss it. But since I became one of the very few critics out here to point out the major flaws in the system prior to the 2020 election, he sort of stopped being willing to come on uh, the program at all or even answer many of my questions uh, about it via email and social media. So uh, I just want to share his response, Susan, and then I'll get your response to it. Uh, In in response to my invitation for him to join us today, uh, Dean responded. This way via email on Sunday, he said, I will pass on being part of that conversation. Thanks. The deliberation period on the VSAP 3.0 upgrade, he said, is over and it has been approved by the secretary of state. Differences of opinion are to be expected and are often constructive. But misstating facts contributes to furthering the false narrative about elections, integrity and transparency that is pervading our country. In this case, he says the record speaks pretty clearly for itself. Our focus is on preparing for the elections ahead. Best regards, Dean. So I followed up to ask him which of the concerns that you detailed, uh, Susan, uh, to the Secretary of State that he considered to be misstating the facts. I've yet to hear back from him. So, unfortunately, we will move forward without him and discuss your concerns. Uh, And if Mr. Logan wishes to join us in the future, always glad to have him. Uh, But before we get to those concerns, Susan Greenhall, do you have any particular response to uh, Dean Logan's remarks there? Yeah, it's um, it's ex- extremely disappointing because the record does speak for itself. There, It's a very clear record. The independent testing laboratory that did the testing for this, this new version of the VSAP software gave testimony at that very hearing and also submitted a report, which is public information, where they document quite clearly that there are some significant security requirements in the California voting system standards Mm -hmm. that BSAP still does not um, meet. Um, That's you can't dispute it. The Mm -hmm. laboratory says these standards are not met. The the report says it. Um, And it's also not in dispute that the secretary had uh, set a deadline that the county and the vendor had to meet, um, uh, had to achieve uh, or meet those those standards Mm -hmm. by June 30th of 2021. And June 20th, uh, June 30th of 2021 came and went um, without rectifying those um, mm-hmm. issues in the system, not remediating them and fixing them. Um, this in, uh, is in regard to different encryption standards and requiring full encryption of the whole system, mm-hmm. um, not insignificant security requirements that are part of California's voting system standards. Um, and they're more important these days because you want to have your system encrypted so that um, it's it's resilient to or resistant to some sort of insider attack. And we're seeing more and more that there are people that could be accessing a system from within the, um, the, the uh, election infrastructure framework, Mm -hmm. um, as we've seen in Colorado and uh, Antrim County. And um, so we had insiders, we actually had insiders who were able to manipulate the system, make copies of the system and so forth in various ways. 
Right. That's that's right. That's why this sort of fortification with the encryption is really important. So they didn't make they didn't uh, uh, apply the encryption by June 30th. Um, the secretary's original condition said that it needed to be done last June and for any subsequent software versions that's mm-hmm. in black and white. So the record states pretty clearly that that those things weren't met. Um, and the uh, L.A. County has brought the system to the secretary and asked for her apparently to um, disregard her prior requirements. Now, it's, it, it's absolutely within her authority to do so, mm-hmm. um, although I I'm I'm disappointed that the secretary is not taking further action to um, enforce these requirements to require, you know, to really require L.A. Mm-hmm. County to meet them, require the vendor to meet them. Um, and, uh, also that, um, we don't, it, it's not, it hasn't been updated on the website. What Mr. Logan said in his mess, in his, uh, email that it had already been approved. That's not reflected publicly in public information yet. Um, mm. but uh, it, we, so I guess we're breaking news that apparently the secretary of state has, according to the LA County registrar anyway, gone ahead and, uh, approved. He doesn't use the word certified. He said uh, it has been approved. The the newest version that you have concerns about, Susan. Are the uh, you when you talk about the encryption? Is it that these systems are not encrypted at all, or just the type of crypt- cryptography that they use is is not uh, adequate for uh, the security and and the concerns that you have, uh, and so forth. There's two standards that the system currently doesn't meet. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that it not it doesn't have full disk encryption, which means that the entire um, data uh, disk that holds is encrypted. Mm-hmm. And then it's also supposed to meet a certain standard of encryption, um, which is set by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and it needs to meet this level of encryption or better. Um, and it it meets neither of those. And and appear, uh, from what we can tell, supposedly the county was supposed to have a plan for for um, implementing these safeguards by June 30th, 2021. Um, and they were directed to go ahead and and move forward with that plan. And mm-hmm. apparently none of that ever went for, forward. But there's another aspect to this. It's also troubling that I hope listeners and and members of the LA County government pay attention to is that this was an extraordinarily expensive system, $300 million that was developed for LA County specifically. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be this bespoke system that's going to be built to security standards and voting system standards. And the fact that um, the vendor did not deliver on the contract for something that meets these standards that includes full disencryption and the the NIST uh, standard of encryption mm-hmm. um, is also a, a problem in that the the LA County hasn't actually um, held its vendor, which received a three hundred million dollar contract, <laughs> to, it, to its end of the bargain to really enforce the requirements. So I'm concerned um, on one side that we're not meeting the security standards, and also why isn't LA County requiring it's vendor that it gave this extraordinary lucrative contract to actually live up to the promises that it told um, LA LA residents and California state residents it was going to deliver. Uh, Ian Patton, uh, Senate Bill 360 out here in California, which essentially authorized $300 million uh, that paid for the, uh, the LA County's VSAP system, uh, quote, explicitly required that systems developed under its authorization, uh, authorization used disclosed publicly available 
source code. In other words, this was to be a system designed, owned by the taxpayers using open source uh, code, open source code. Uh, that you know could be publicly inspected, but to my knowledge, uh, years now into its use, the code has not been made available to the public. And this was something you know I was highly critical of our former Secretary of State, who certified this in the first place. He's now our U.S. Senator Alex Padilla. He sort of lied to the public about all of this, said we needed this uh, this SB 360 to get this new system into LA County, so that LA County could finally own its own voting system. Well, we actually owned the previous system. Uh, but he went ahead and gave the approval for this. We now have a new secretary of state. And yet after all of this time, Ian Patton, um, no uh, source code that I'm aware of that can publicly be inspected has ever been released. This also is a concern, is it not? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a concern for me because to me it's symptomatic of what we experienced during our partial recount and um, as we delved in deeper with our lawsuit following it, which is a system of total non-transparency. So one component of that is supposed to be the the GitHub-style open-source software, but really the entire system was engineered to be non-transparent, and then you have coupled with that it, it, it's, it's administered in the most non-transparent mm-hmm. way possible. So I don't know how much detail you want me to go into into the history of my lawsuit, but the, the short version of that mm-hmm. is that you have a system where there were um, paper ballots that were not kept sorted, so they were not reviewable in any easy way. The votes were counted purely electronically, purely based on scanned images of the ballots, Mm -hmm. which were counted by algorithms, and that process was not open to the public. And then when we had an election with about 100,000 votes cast and a margin of 16 votes between yes and no on a ballot measure, and we sought a hand recount, Dean Logan, through his uh, administrative um, power, just threw up obstacle after obstacle and made it um, economically prohibitive, but it was really built into the system that it would be economically prohibitive to hand count these ballots because they were never sorted. They just completely relied on the software, uh-huh. which, as Susan is demonstrating, is not secure. And, and, and let me uh, sort of decode that a little bit, because it's remarkable. It's remarkable that it happened to you in Long Beach. But in fact, this could happen to anyone, any ballot initiative, any uh, candidate on the ballot. And frankly, it could happen anywhere in the country that they're using these voting centers. And it's because of these voting centers, they're supposedly convenient uh, for, for many voters because you can vote at any vote center across the county. We have a huge county here in L.A. County. Uh, But that means that when there's uh, something like the ballot initiative that you all had down in Long Beach, uh, for, uh, I think, to uh, extend a, a tax, as I recall, um, that if you want to do a recount, what that means is, to, you know, only the people in Long Beach Uh, who live in Long Beach, were allowed to vote in that particular referendum. But that means we've got to go through some four four million ballots to find the ballots that belong to those voters who voted in Long Beach in order to count them by hand 
to make sure that this referendum won or lost by a mere 16 votes. And to do that, Dean Logan is charging you tens of thousands of dollars for the costs of sorting all of those ballots to find the ones that were cast in in Long Beach. Do I explain that accurately? Well, I think I think you uh, misremembered the order of magnitude on the costs there, Brad. Okay, how much tens was of, Tens of thousands would have been great. It was hundreds of thousands that he wanted us <laughs> to pay because basically he sold this system to the public, 10-year design process as a space-age new solution to voting. Uh-huh. And then when it came time to actually count physical ballots, the only solution left available was Stone Age. It was manually sifting out 100,000 Long Beach ballots Mm -hmm. from all the rest of the, for that election, March 2020, 2.1 million L.A. County ballots cast. They were all mixed up in one giant pile, and we were told that we would have to pay for L.A. County staffers to spend an estimated 16 days to individually sort these ballots out, and that would have been 16 workers working full-time for each of those 16 days. And that was just an estimate. They really had no idea how much time and how much cost it would have amounted to, and ultimately we would have had to bear the burden of whatever it actually ended up being. Which is, and and had we had the old precinct systems where uh, everyone voted at their local precinct, uh, then they would have just been able to take the ballots that were actually cast in Long Beach, hold a hand count, and it would have been, I think you guys had raised several thousand dollars to pay for the cost of what it used to cost. Uh, now, Ian Patton, you're running for uh, city council in Long Beach. Uh, what are your concerns? A, do you have confidence that uh, in the system that it will work as expected this year and that if it's a close race and you need to have a recount, that you'll be able to afford uh, the, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of dollars they'll they'll charge you for it? Well, the short answer is it's hard to have full confidence in a, in a system after our experience. Um, and unfortunately, our lawsuit was um, kind of dismissed by a judge who just took the, the county's talking points at face value. And I have to say, I think that was really a result of politics because we started our lawsuit in mid-2020 before all the... Uh, stuff about the Kraken and the the Arizona audit and mm-hmm. and all that uh, you know huge firestorm way before that was even a glint in anybody's eye nobody was expecting that national sort of political dialogue to go on we were just talking about the facts then that happened and then we got our court hearing afterwards in that political context and I think the judge didn't want to touch it so I want to be clear I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way. We have never alleged a rigged election, Mm -hmm. although many people in Long Beach believe that. I can't tell them they're wrong, but we've never alleged a rigged election because we just go based on the facts. And the facts are this was an extremely close election, and we were just not allowed to have a hand count. Yeah, I mean, you you, you want to count, you know, an election where there's 16 votes uh, determine win or loss, yes or no in this case. It's not too much to ask to have a hand count of paper ballots, whether we can even rely on those uh, printed ballots, whether they accurately reflect the the intent of the voter or not. It's not too too much to ask 
class to be able to want to count them to know for sure either way. Uh, Susan Greenhall, you've been on the show a number of times discussing similar problems with voting systems across the country. And again, we're using, uh, L- you know, L.A. County because it's currently up for certification with these problems. But similar systems are used around the country. Uh, how has the inflo- uh, influx of, of folks uh, that Ian mentioned there, the folks on the Trumpian right, uh, many of whom, by the way, now cite flaws detailed by yourself, Susan, and myself over the years in order to falsely claim that the 2020 election was somehow stolen, despite the lack of evidence to support that charge. How has that affected your advocacy when it comes to actually, you know, real and very well documented vulnerabilities in these systems? Well, uh, the it, overall, you know, it, we we can speak very factually and say that vulnerabilities don't equate to a stolen election. But this instance um, uh, at the recent hearing on VSAP was extremely disheartening um, in that uh, Dean Logan categorized legitimate and and clearly verifiable criticism mm-hmm. of his system as mis and disinformation, which frankly, um, for me was a new low to hear somebody um, try to smear and tar um, real uh, serious questions, real serious issues that need to be addressed. We still have serious security issues Uh in our election systems that need to be fixed. We all need to pull together to fix them. And if um, we're having election officials uh, refuse to address those problems by dismissing them on improperly as mis and disinformation um there's there's two problems with that is we're not going to actually fix the problems but also we have, do have a crisis of confidence in our election mm-hmm. system right now and when uh somebody in a position of power says something which is pretty easily uh proven to be false because as i mentioned all of this stuff is in black and white the reports in black and white the secretary of state's mm-hmm. um directions are in black and white um so if anyone cares to actually look at it, then they're not going to have a lot of confidence in his ability to run an election. And, and I, we I, can't afford that. No. He needs to be honest. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's why I wanted to have him here to speak to the very specifics, because, <clears throat> you know, in this case, even in that email he sent to me, Susan, he says uh, he suggested that you guys are misstating facts that contribute to the furthering of the false narrative about election integrity and transparency that is pervading the country as if you are part of that MAGA mob making stuff up. Uh, guys, I have blown past my uh, my second uh, break here and I'm coming up to the end of the hour. My apologies for that because there's a lot to talk about here. So very quickly, Susan, uh, now with the state of California. Uh, uh, sending a vote by mail ballot to all all voters that certainly helped ease the congestion, at least at the polls during the general election in 2020. But does that mitigate the concerns you still have with these systems? Are there few enough people using them that we shouldn't be worried about these touchscreen systems at the polling place? Um, uh, no, actually, because um, the encryption issues that I had mentioned um are on the tallying side of it so they that's what tallies both the touchscreen um ballots and the vote by mail ballots so mm-hmm. um that is still a concern there's one other issue that or there were more issues but there's also a requirement that um LA County did not implement which is to do a further review of the QR code 
just as a sample of the 1% manual tally to make sure that the QR code actually reflects the human readable text, they're not actually doing that either. So that's another condition that's not being met yeah. that uh, gives less assurance um, on the, the touchscreen ballot marking system. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and again, these are used everywhere, and I can't uh, express how grateful I am uh, to you, Susan Greenhall, to you, Ian Patton, um, you know, for uh, taking these slings and arrows from these folks who, you know, are trying to tar you as something that you are not, trying to tar you as one of these uh, right-wing conspiracy theorists. That's outrageous. You all are trying to protect our democracy. And I can't thank you enough for that. These Again, these problems are not only seen in L.A. There's a lot of jurisdictions moving to these computerized ballot marking devices, these touch screens that are similar to the VSAP uh, and to the voting center model, which has a lot of problems. I'm hoping that other folks in other states are listening uh, to this, paying close attention, because what happens in California regarding elections tends to affect the rest of the nation as well. So thank you for what you're doing to get the word out nationally about not only L.A. County problems, but those that affect uh, voters across the nation. I will post your letter to the secretary of state uh, with your permission so people can read about the actual details. Um, you can get more information, of course, on Susan Greenhall, their uh, senior advisor on election security at freespeechforpeople.org. Ian Patton is with the L, uh, the uh, Long Beach Reform Coalition, lbreformcoalition.org. And yes, he is running for city council in Long Beach. You can get more information on him at pattonforcouncil.com. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate all your work and the time you took to join us today on the broadcast. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. You bet. Thank you. Okay, we got to get out. Hope my uh, affiliates forgive us for blowing through the break. I'm sure they'll be okay with that. We'll see. Thank you very much. That's our producer, Desi Doyen. Hi. Hi. Didn't get to say hello at That's all. Thank okay. you very much uh, to uh, Desi, to my board operator, Gary Baca, and to all of you for spending a, cor- a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other we have ever done, you can download it for free. You're welcome at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. I'll see you there. Till we see you here, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.